thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome to the Real Food Reel. Today on the show we have Steve Eddy, a nutritionist and naturopath and principal at Health Schools Australia who teaches over 1,000 practitioner professionals each year. In today's episode, Steve and I discuss heart health in Australia. Cardiovascular disease kills one Australian every 12 minutes, but it may be reduced with an integrated approach to heart health. And did you know that more than 30,000 Australians are diagnosed with chronic heart failure every year, which may be prevented with outstanding research supporting the antioxidant CoQ10 or ubiquinol? Let's find out more about this awesome topic. Hi, Steve, and welcome to the show. Hi, Steph. It's great to be here. Awesome. Let's dive straight in, but I'd love to find out more about yourself and background to set the scene, please, Steve. Sure. I started off life in Melbourne as a chemist, uh, working in the laboratory for four years, got bored with that, moved to Queensland, studied naturopathy, then did a degree in Bachelor of Complementary Medicine and a Master's in Health Science, and I'm just completing my PhD at the moment, and I'm teaching uh, natural medicine and have for the last 12 years. Very cool. Hmm. Bit of a nerd. <laughs> Never stop learning. I think that's a pretty good message. Yeah, that, that's the way I like to put it too. Beautiful. Now, before we dive deeper into CoQ10 and its role in chronic disease prevention, can you give us a little bit of an idea about your real food message or say what your number one piece of nutrition advice would be? Yeah, it's to eat what the body is designed to eat. That's my number one nutrition advice. And what I mean by that is to Bulk your diet up with vegetables and fruits and salads, nuts, seeds, legumes, meat, fish, eggs, those sorts of real foods. And, you know, get away from all the refined foods, obviously the junk food and sugar you, you give a wide berth to. And probably another one of my philosophies, which is a little bit more controversy, uh, I don't believe in everything in moderation because I think moderate eating leads to moderate health. I'm all about optimal eating for optimal health. Yeah, nice. Very good message. Hmm. Cool. Now for the exciting stuff. So yes. let's touch on CoQ10 and a little bit more about sort of the background information. And, and then if you can share with us the, I guess, the benefits from a chronic disease point of view. Sure. Yeah. CoQ10, there's two forms of CoQ10. Now, I don't want to confuse everybody, but there's ubiquin and ubiquin own. Okay. And you've got to have the ubiquin because that's the active version. So think of the OL at the end, and that means the active version in the body. The other one is the inactive version and is the oxidized verb. So sure, CoQ10 comes in those two forms, and you, unfortunately, ubiquinone is a cheaper version and you know something that, that doesn't have the same effects as ubiquinol. And with regards to chronic disease, you mentioned heart disease, which is staggeringly high in this country, typically because of our obesity epidemic, our, our lack of exercise and our poor eating habits. Uh, but uh, what, that, what that does is when your arteries get blocked up that feed the heart, the heart can become damaged and you can end up with you know, a heart attack or congestive heart failure. And both of those respond very well to ubiquinol, 
or coenzyme Q10 supplementation. Great. Okay. And so you've been involved in some of the research that's led us to, to have that natural treatment option? Yeah, absolutely. I have. Uh, there's been a lot of studies published in the literature recently too. I've given talks throughout Australia on this. Uh, probably one of the most important studies is one that was done just late last year because uh, in our country, of course, the number one drug sold uh, to uh, consumers or sold or prescribed to consumers is a drug called statin and the statin drugs uh, reduce cholesterol that's what they do the anti-cholesterol drugs and what we one of the side effects of those is uh, a reduction in coenzyme q10 levels in the body or ubiquinol levels and this can lead to other symptoms such as muscle pain is the most common one yeah i think that's a really fantastic point um mm. We know that the the statin drug, in, or, the, or I guess the big pharma, it's you know it's a multi-trillion dollar industry. So there's certainly some some problems that we're now learning more and more about. And I think with programs that we've seen in Australia last year, even on Catalyst, it's becoming something that's um, you know more common knowledge than it was even a few, two or three years ago. Um, but we don't necessarily see much change happening from a either a prescription point of view or or even from a, a government level. Have you got some comments on that and what you think might be happening behind the scenes? Of course, um, and, and I'll go into bat for the doctors here. Uh, they've, they've got a, a prescription pad, and you know if you've only got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So uh, unfortunately, you know the, the, the number one treatment for anyone with heart disease is a statin drug. Now, the way a natural therapist or a nutritionist looks at this is to say, well, why have you got the heart disease in the first place? and address the cause of these things. So if it's because you're not fit or not active or overweight, you treat that as a cause and then the condition, you know, regresses. And we know that from the studies that lifestyle, you know, if lifestyle causes a disease, lifestyle can treat a disease. So I'm not a big fan of um, giving a pill to someone in place of their lifestyle. And I'm not suggesting for a sec everyone just flush their statins down the toilet. I suggest that you treat the cause of your disease. You can still take the statins, but eventually make the statins redundant so you don't need to take them anymore. And of course, while you're taking those and for general health, get onto some ubiquinol daily because that's what I do and that's what I recommend everybody do. Excellent. So this is particularly relevant for those that have been given statin drugs to treat their high cholesterol, which we actually know isn't the problem in the first place. That's true. Um, and so to clarify, your first point of advice would be to address the cause but supplement immediately? Correct. Um, and, and just going back to the cause, we know that you, you touched on a great point about cholesterol. Cholesterol, of course, 80% of it is made in the body, mm. made by the liver. So if the liver's you know, killing us by making cholesterol or is the liver making cholesterol for a reason, and as we all know now, no, uh, all the hormones are made from cholesterol and we need cholesterol for functions and knocking it out, you know, the production of it is not the way to go by drugs with, with terrible side effects. It's about addressing the cause of why you're getting heart disease and as you correctly pointed out, it's not caused by a statin deficiency, it's caused by something else, if you know what I mean. That's the cause of the disease. Yeah, absolutely. And so if we think about well, let's go back to side effects, for example. Mm. So you mentioned muscle pain. That's something that um, perhaps isn't linked with a pharmaceutical. What would you do personally or with your clients or what do you teach your practitioners to, to do um, or how to approach that with a client? 
Sure, sure. It's called myalgia. It's muscle pain, and it's due to a deficiency of coenzyme Q10 in the body. Coenzyme Q10 functions in the body by, and I'll keep this really simple, making energy. And if your body doesn't make enough energy, one of the side effects, of course, is muscle pain. And so the way to treat that, and the studies show, of course, is you supplement with ubiquinol about 200 to 300 milligrams a day, and that can be a great treatment. Of course, get them out there exercising. That also reduces muscle pain and eating well at the same time, of course, is another great way to treat anyone with any sort of condition, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> there is no magic pill. No. Um, so then if we keep talking about side effects, can you run us through other common side effects from CoQ10 depletion? Sure. It's basically a lack of energy mm. and that stems from there. So if you haven't got energy, you, you, a lot of people just can become very lazy. They don't exercise because they, they don't have the energy. They run out of steam in the afternoon. You know, they don't get up in the morning and go to the gym. They put on weight. They go check their thyroid. They get thyroid medications. Lack of, and they also, obviously, we found that people with low energy don't tend to cook for themselves. They just say, I can't be bothered cooking. I'll eat junk food instead. And, of course, that leads to a whole lot of other problems, of course, if this happens long term. So, you know, the lack of energy is the major one. And, and, and also CoQ10 is a, a, a ubiquinol, not ubiquinone, but ubiquinol is a fantastic um, antioxidant. And antioxidants prevent a lot of chronic diseases as well. Yeah, it's a bit of a vicious cycle, that one, I think. And, oh, terrible. And certainly with statin drugs where they suppress the cholesterol production so much, we do see quite an array of side effects that aren't necessarily only from CoQ10 depletion, but certainly the, the memory loss or the brain fog or, or those sorts of um, cases that can sometimes lead to a more degenerative situation. Have you experienced that in, in the research or with what you've been working on, Steve? Absolutely. Um, when, when you take statins, um, and I'll get a little bit scientific for a sec here, hopefully everyone can follow this, but it inhibits an enzyme that makes cholesterol called 3-hydroxy-3-methylglucocoenzyme reductase. I hope everyone's written that down. <laughs> and, and that enzyme makes cholesterol, which is a perfectly natural response. Now, why is the body making this cholesterol? It's because it's required to make all your hormones. So if you take the bricks off a building site, the houses aren't going to be built. So if you take the cholesterol out of the body, you're not going to be able to make hormones. So people get hormonal problems. Of course, cholesterol itself is a neurotransmitter in the brain. So you get, as you said, memory fade. And also another side effect of, of statin drugs is they suppress the immune system. And of course, that can lead you open to infections. And in a lot of earlier studies, there was a suggestion that, that statin drugs taken for too long at too high doses can lead to cancers as well. So there's some terrible side effects associated with these. And that's why they really should only be used sparingly, prescribed at, at very short intervals until someone can get their life back in order. And that, that's the way all drugs should be prescribed, frankly, in my opinion. Yeah, if only. And mm. so then around the comment you made earlier about addressing the problem, mm. can you give us your thoughts on on what the problem is from a heart disease point of view, whether it's inflammation or, or what you think um, we should be addressing rather than treating high cholesterol. Correct. And, and, and what we've been sucked into is this whole cholesterol con where, where, where doctors in the past, in the 80s and 90s, 
were measuring cholesterol and the cholesterol number was above five and a half or six and a half, what it was a few years ago. Uh, and they go, oh, goodness me, your cholesterol's high. That's a problem. We're going to treat that with a drug. And that's not, that's not treating a person. That's treating a number. Mm. Why has the people got cholesterol? Now, cholesterol is, is very in itself not to do with heart disease. It's only when you get the oxidized, very low-density lipoprotein cholesterol where there is a problem. So it's not heavily associated. And you mentioned inflammation. Well, for people to have a heart attack, they need inflammation. And in fact, atherosclerosis or blocking up of the arteries that feed the heart is an inflammatory disease. We know this in the literature. We look at the plaque. We used to think it was just fat, but there's immune cells there. So there's a lot of inflammation going on there. We also know that low sex hormones can lead to heart disease in men. Low testosterone can lead to um, cardiovascular disease. But still, the biggest cause is inactivity and bad eating. And we've got to address those. Yeah. Yeah, certainly when we eat well and we live in an anti-inflammatory approach, it is what I guess is the best solution from a chronic disease prevention and there's no need for pharmaceutical intervention. Yeah, that's the idea. I always, and this is going to sound a bit weird, but I always view pharmaceuticals as alternative medicine. I've always found it strange when people say things that I do, talking about diet and health and nutrition as alternative medicine. I don't know what the alternative is to going to the gym in the morning or eating good food. I, I don't see an alternative to that. So I see an alternative to drugs, and that is to not get sick in the first place. But that's where it all stops. So we really need to, um, you know, keep on top of our lifestyles and supplement our lifestyles with healthy supplements that don't cause side effects that are very positive to our health like ubiquinol. Yeah, absolutely. And so when someone speaks to you around is supplementation necessary and shouldn't there be a more natural way, what's your comment? Firstly, supplements, the chemicals themselves are natural. They're naturally found in the body. Ubiquinol or CoQ10 is found in meat fish, mm. some vegetables, nuts. So they're naturally found. All we're doing is supplementing our diet. We're not, it's not called a replacement. It's called a supplement. So we <laughs> supplement our, our lifestyle with that. Now, why do we supplement? We shouldn't need to. You're right, but we do because we have foods that are you know, stored and we don't always you know, pick the plant and eat it like we used to millions of years ago. It's stored. It lost a lot, a lot of nutrients due to farming practices. We can't do anything about that. So what we do is supplement our diet with healthy nutrients to prevent disease, and that's all I'm. That's what I'm about. Yeah, absolutely. There's a time and a place, and I think yeah. certainly we address food and lifestyle first, and then yeah. supplementation um, may be necessary. And, and certainly, uh, ubiquinol. I mean, the research is it's it's very clear as to the benefits. So correct, absolutely. Now, can we increase our CoQ10 naturally, though? What would you recommend um, outside of supplementation? Sure, and, and we can. The first thing is exercise. Your body can make CoQ10 synthesized in the body. Uh, here's some stats for you with regards to foods, and, and it doesn't sound very promising, but to get ubiquinol levels to about 100 to 150 milligrams a day, you need to eat about 3.4 kilograms of red meat a day. <laughs> Good luck with that. Or this, 5.7 kilograms of chicken or 1.6 kilograms of peanuts or 50 cups of spinach or 120 cans of sardines so yeah I, I would suggest you eat those foods but obviously not that amount but um that's why supplementation is is ideal we know that the ideal dosage for the average person is about 100 150 milligrams sure eat the right foods to get those foods are all good foods um but don't 
you know, you can't get the optimal amount. Now, you can get enough to stop you from getting sick. But as I said, what I'm about is optimal health and optimal nutrition, not just getting by nutrition and hoping for the best nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Very good. So lots of exciting research. Um, and I think certainly a place to, for everyone to look. We have a lot of athletes that um, listen to the Real Food Real and I think certainly from an energy point of view, we can make the clear link to performance. Yes. But have you got something you'd like to share with us around athletes and CoQ10 or Ubiquinol? Sure, love to. Look, with regards to athletic performance, a study in 2013 demonstrated that, that six week, weeks of daily supplementation of 300 milligrams of Ubiquinol um, was effective in, in producing power output. So it's very, very good for athletes. Now, I am a, and I'm putting my fingers up here, an athlete because I like to, and I'm running in the marathon, um, you know, uh, on the Gold Coast here in a couple of months. Well, I'm going to be upping my ubiquinol to 300 milligrams a day for the last few weeks leading up to that. I take 150 every day. You know, that's standard. Did this morning with my eggs. and um, But I'm going to up it towards that because it does improve athletic performance. There was a study, I can't remember when or, when or where it was, but it improved um, time endurance performance by like 2 or 3%. You might think, oh, who cares? Two or three percent, but that's over. That, that, that's a kilometre faster for a marathon. Mm. So, so you know, it's a fair bit of a distance. If you can win a race by a kilometre, then you're going to be doing pretty well. And that's just by supplementing with ubiquinol. Yeah, I mean, an athletes look for any percent. So it yeah. is the the areas that you that you haven't addressed that may give you that competitive edge. Exactly, exactly. And this is part of the process. You know, yeah, of course. Train, you know, don't just take this and do nothing. Train, do everything you're supposed to and take ubiquinol at about 300 milligrams a day. Yeah, great. And on the spot, I'm just thinking about athletes that, that take statin drugs and how hard that must be for them with that suppression of CoQ10. Yeah, I know one. Um, and I won't mention his name, but uh, he was on statin drugs and uh, he, he dropped out of this particular competition due to his muscle pain. And I said, no, no, no. And so I gave him one of my bottles because I trained with him. And um, he, he, he rejoined and got back in and, and did well in the event. And the muscle pain was resolved? Yeah, yeah, because the muscle pain is lack of CoQ12. Well, it's because of the statins, but lack of mm. CoQ10. And you just supplement that and it comes back up to normal and the pain goes away. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, mm. that is a good little anecdote. Yeah. Very yeah, there good. was a study. There was a study done a while ago, just just on sixty milligrams a day, which is a very low dose, mm. and the muscle pain just at that low dose reduced by fifty four percent. So you know, taking two three hundred a day, which is what I recommend for people on statins, it has, has immense benefits. Mm. Yeah, look, I look forward to some more anecdotes. There's a few athletes that I know that are taking statin drugs. Um, that I am definitely going to get <laughs> to listen to this podcast in particular. Exactly. And ask them why they're taking statin drugs because, you know, uh, you know, frankly, heart disease is not a statin deficiency. It's not caused by that. So you've got to address the cause of that too. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. So it's a really great message. And before we move on to our standard questions that we ask all of our guests here on The Real, have you got anything else that you'd like to add on that, Steve? No, get out there, seize the day, be healthy. There's no alternative to it. This is not alternative medicine. This is the way we should be functioning our lives. So, yeah, it's good to be healthy, have more energy, but it just helps you in life in general. Yeah, lovely. Awesome. So we do ask these questions to all of our guests so we can get to know a little bit more about you and, and what's coming up. 
Great. So can you share with us what a day on your plate looks like? <laughs> well, I was at the gym at five this morning doing legs. And uh, for those gym goers are cringing now because legs is the most painful thing in the world. <laughs> uh, so that was great. So that's what I did at five. And then I got back, took the dog for a run for half an hour. So that was good. I had six eggs, came to work. I'm swimming uh, three k's this half after work. And um, yeah, then I've got a talk tonight. Uh, uh, it's a talk for health professionals um, on longevity and wellness and telomerase and telomeres and those sorts of things. So that's my day today, and it's just another day in the office. Very good. Any other nice meals you want to share with us? <laughs> well, tonight I've got some um, a tofu I'm just going to have with some vegetables. Uh, for lunch, I've got a nice chicken salad there, so that's the, what's the way we should be eating. And uh, it's funny you should mention that because there were some new recommendations out today which are more in line with reality. Um, from the, uh, Nutrition Australia, which is terrific. So I'm looking forward to reviewing all those. I'm still not in agreement with it totally, but they've reduced some of the bad stuff, like the, the over-reliance on flour, and the, um, they've put vegetables and fruits as the most important um, food you should be eating, which is just terrific. So I'm all happy about that. Yeah, there are some good changes, but it's still yeah. a long way to go. <laughs> oh, I don't know why they just can't make the leap to reality. Crazy. <laughs> We won't go there. I think that no, conversation no. is a big can of worms. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. And what's coming up, Steve? Have you got some fun projects or some more talks that you're doing that you can share with us? Oh, always, unfortunately. Uh, tonight's finishes at 9 o'clock, so that's why I say unfortunately. Normally, I love doing these talks, <laughs> but I don't love finishing at 9 because you know, I get up at 4.30 every morning. Nine's kind of getting towards uh, beady buys for me, so uh, it'll be an interesting uh, night tonight. And um, Oh, I've always got talks. I've got to go to Sydney on Thursday and Friday for talks and stuff. So I've uh, got to love Sydney. But I wish I could say I was going to Vanuatu for a talk, but no, nothing exciting like that. So it's just your usual stuff, a uh, day in the life of myself. It's not that exciting, unfortunately. <laughs> as long as you're doing what you love. So where yeah, can our listeners find you? Have you got a blog or you're on social media? Oh, not really. I um, just go to healthaustralia.com. That's my you know, website for the college. You know, you can look mm. me up there. That's fine. Um, get in contact with me through there. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm 46 and um, I trained in the days before blogs and <laughs> those sorts of things. And um, But, you know, I'm always around doing talks somewhere. I was at the National Obesity Conference last week. That was fantastic. I enjoyed speaking there. And I upset a few people there, so that was even better. <laughs> Very cool. All right, we'll pop some links up for everyone to find out more and um, some research articles for those that want to dive in a little bit deeper. Great. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining the show today, Steve. It was great to have you on. No problem, Steph. You have a terrific day. I'll come on any time. Thanks. Take care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.